Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and uh, with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So, uh, very excited uh, about uh, the podcast, as always, but particularly excited this week because congratulations are in order uh, for you uh, with the launching. I don't know if you call it launching. Sure. The start of the, the new show, which is so fantastic, The Good Place. Yes, The Good Place. The first two episodes aired on Monday. Uh, you can, If you haven't seen them, you can watch them on... Um, on either NBC.com or I think Hulu, pretty sure Hulu. And the third episode airs tonight, the day we're recording this, which is Thursday. And I would strongly recommend that anyone who wants to watch it watch them in order because it's very serialized. It is a serial. I, I did. I mean, is now will this one actually say chapter three on it? Because it was a chapter yes. one. Okay, so you this will go with chapters. This is it's chapters, uh, and um, and they many of the episodes pick up at the exact moment where the previous one left off and we don't do previously ons because ah. we don't have a lot of time. So it's really incumbent upon the viewer. I mean, I like to make it as hard as I can for the viewer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say this. I'm not just saying this because, because we're friends and, and because we do this, this thing together. This show is fantastic. I Thank love, you. I love this. No, I do. I love this show. I just, and look, part of it is just, who doesn't have just this gigantic crush on Kristen Bell, right? So that's that's like beyond that. And who doesn't love Ted Danson? So so some of it you have nothing to do with, let's be honest. That's the way I made it easy for the viewer is I, I presented the viewer with two incredibly winning, charming, and lovable people oh. they can uh, watch on TV for free. You can watch it for free. It's free entertainment, people. What more do you want? It's a great show. I, I could not more highly recommend it. It is, uh, again, it's... Uh, we are recording this on Thursday night, so if uh, if this gets out, which there's no chance it will, before it comes out, watch it tonight. Otherwise, you can. You can watch it on NBC.com and maybe Hulu. We don't know. We'll find out. Now, we should talk about one thing, which is that the premise of the show is it takes place in the afterlife. Sure. And the basic premise is that the way that your final eternal spot is determined in the universe is just it's sort of like a point system. It's like every good thing you did small or big, got you a certain number of positive points. Every bad thing you did, small or big, gave, got you a certain number of negative points. And it's sort of like a video game. The highest scores get to go <laughs> to the good place. Which, by and, the way, now, did you pull this? Because this, that is a big, like, Jewish thing, right, with the, with the scale. Right? You have the, everything good goes on one side of the scale, everything bad goes on the other side. Is that sort of the, the inspiration there? Well, it's, sort, it's, a, it's a very uh, uh, non-denominational sort of amalgam oh, sure. of a lot of different things. But... Um, yeah, there, it's obviously it's you know it's roughly it's a sort of mathematical moneyball version of what a lot of religions and and theories believe. But in the premiere episode, Ted Danson is explaining this system, and uh, in a sort of a film, sort of like the film at the beginning of Jurassic Park, where they explain what <laughs> Jurassic Park is, and you see a bunch of examples of different things that got you plus or minus points so you know poison a river that's negative 4078 points or whatever and you know uh, hug your sad friend that's plus 23 points one of them which was essentially a joke for you yes. was remaining loyal to the cleveland browns gets you like 50 something points it was so uh, awesome first of all i need the points I mean, let's, <laughs> let's let's not kid anybody i need the yeah. points uh that was so great, and it's so funny because, of course, numerous people sent it to me, and uh, before I saw the show, so I saw the 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 chart before I saw the show, um, and and of course I loved it, but because I saw the whole chart, I saw it was 
it was actually my second favorite one on there. Uh, and you know what my favorite one is. Uh, my favorite one is be commissioner of a football league and then in parentheses, American. <laughs> and it was like what? Mine is like 8,000 points. I mean, it it was, it, you take a big <laughs> hit. Yeah. You do. <laughs> that was awesome. And of course, for, for our, for our uh, uh, podcast listeners, whoever you happen to be, uh, being a Yankee fan does hurt. In the, in oh, the afterlife. Yeah, yeah, yeah no question. Yeah, well, what was fun about that was that some of it I could just grind some axes, right? That was the that's the fun of doing a list like that. But I also made it clear that it was American football because <laughs> I believe that if you're the commissioner of a European football league, it's way worse. Way worse. I think, I think that Sepp Blatter took a way bigger hit for being for being head of FIFA. Than even even Goodell did for being head of the NFL. We were discussing this, and this could have been our faux argument. Uh, we were discussing like what are the worst like sports leagues in the world? Like what are like the most evil sports leagues in the world? And how bad is it that the NFL isn't like even in the top three? I mean, that just seems astonishing. Well, what are they? Would take them off for me? Well, I mean, you got I, it. You got it. I mean, FIFA and the IOC are like I don't even know which way up win. there. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, you know, I mean, the NCAA is pretty, pretty strong. I, I think they've bad, they, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, th- I assume there's also like a North Korean volleyball league. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, the the sad thing is, is that when a league is competently and professionally run without being rife with corruption, you're always going to have a little corruption, but without being like rife with corruption. You're so pleasantly surprised. Yes. And it's like, oh, this isn't a total miserable gangster nightmare. <laughs> you know? And that's how I sort of feel right now about a little bit about the NBA and a little bit about MLB is there's a lot of bad stuff about the way that the MLB is run. The, the, the stadium thing continues to yes, just be yes. the worst, the most awful, miserable, you know, anti-popular this boondoggle for the billionaire owners who own these teams. The stadium in Atlanta is a nightmare. nightmare the stadium nightmare. in Miami is a complete nightmare. They're going to be paying off billions of dollars of debt for 30 years to for a stadium that no one likes or goes to. Uh, and these things are jammed through the local you know, city governments and state governments without even be, people being able to vote on them. That stuff is – that's awful. But it's not as bad as some of the other ones, right? It's like you <laughs> – it's like if you're grading on a curve, hey. you kind of have to give it up a little bit. No, I, I totally agree. And especially MLB has had its, its bad moments, obviously, through the years. Right now, you've got a, you definitely have a commissioner who wants to make the game better, actively wants to make the game better, and is willing to go down roads that maybe you disagree with or I disagree with, the, the whole talk about shifts and the talk about the clock and the talk about all this. But he's actively trying to make baseball better, so that's awesome. And two, there's labor peace, relative labor peace, which yeah. is which is incredible. And 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 the the players get treated right. I mean, that's that's the big thing about the NFL. I mean, that's true about the NBA too. But the thing about the NFL is, you know, the, the players. Well, we've been over this. I mean, it's 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 awful. I mean, it's yeah. awful. I mean, what they're what they're giving up uh, in return for not the money specifically. We're not talking about that as much as the. The, the ability to get cut tomorrow for nothing and, and having no no real pension, you know, issues with the with, you know, post uh, uh, health issues. I mean, they do have a pension, but I mean, some some of the issues there. I mean, it's 
Anyway, yeah, I, I, I mean, agree with you. You look at like, just to, we, we don't need to drive this into the ground, but the Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Jimmy Garoppolo threw a quarter plus of his second ever NFL start. Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent next year, right? So Jimmy Garoppolo had earned himself minimum Brock Osweiler money oh, sure. in, in a game and a quarter because the quarterback position is so hard and it's so demanding that just demonstrating against, by the way, two very good defenses, one of them on the road, demonstrating he could make plays, make throws, win games. That guy, through a quarter and a half of his second NFL start, had earned himself what say whatever sixty million guaranteed, fifty million guaranteed, probably someone would give him that money. The 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 Washington football franchise would have probably given him that money next year. A bunch of teams would, right? And suddenly, like, you know, he gets injured and all of a sudden now he might if that if that injury it doesn't look like it was as serious as it first seemed. But if that injury had been career ending, he had earned himself exactly nothing. That's exactly and, right. and obviously some of that is like roll of the dice, bad luck. That's the deal with being an athlete. But in football, that distinction between what you can make and what you actually make can change so quickly and so drastically that, uh, that, they, that the, the players are just they're treated like they're disposable. Because well, and, they, and the risks are much, much higher. I mean, obviously anybody can get hurt in any sport, but – no, nobody, nobody should be surprised when a quarterback gets hurt. I mean, that's, I mean, it's just a very, very dangerous position. Right. And and so, totally agree with you. But this is not. We're 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 getting way off base. Sorry. Uh, and especially because I I have not yet talked about our sponsor, uh, the uh, Dollar Shave Club. So we we you know, people now know they are now sort of a, become sort of the official podcast sponsor. And we talked a lot about shaving in the last two episodes. And there's really only one other question I have about shaving for you. Uh, and that is, so you and I have both talked about how we don't like to shave at all. Um, some people love shaving. Love it. Like, hmm. it's like their, it's like their whole exist. There's like entire stores, you know, that like the art of shaving. Have you seen that store, the yeah. art of shaving, which sure. by the way, what they do at the art of shaving, and, and they're good people. I don't know anything about them, but they're, I'm sure they're great people. Is they take the already ten million dollar uh, blades that you're buying and like double the price because sure. because they call it the art of shaving. But anyway, you raise go in it, there, raise it to an art form. To an they, art form. That's what you're paying for. Those people, you go into that art of shaving store, or even walk by and look at people. They're so happy. They're like looking at the different brushes and like, oh, this. This would be awesome. So I want to know. I want in on that. I want to know what it is they know about shaving that makes it so awesome. Here's my question. So Dollar Shave Club sponsors the podcast. Yes. And the deal is, as I understand it, is it's sort of like a, a mail order situation, right? You just get you, sent. You get, a box of, you get a box of stuff. stuff. Yes. Is there a company that I can pay some number of dollars to? Who, in order to not shave, you know, is there is there like an inverse of the Dollar Shave Club? Can I pay other people to alleviate the need for me to ever shave? So what would happen to you exactly? It would be I don't know. I, I have a magic thing, or what? I obviously don't have it worked out. I don't have all the details worked out. But basically, what I'm asking for is, I give you my credit card number. A certain amount of money is charged for my credit card every month. I'd be willing to negotiate up to, let's say, a thousand dollars a month. Okay. And then somehow you, the company, make it so that I don't have to shave. And by the way, I'm not saying you come to my house and shave my face. That's weird. I'm saying that somehow you have science 
or a pill or something that I can topically just rub on, put on my face before I go to sleep that uh, that makes it so I don't have to shave. Well, but would you be willing to put like a cream on your yeah. face every night to not shave? I mean, isn't that like shaving? It's kind of like shaving. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be a, just a magic spell or something. It needs to be like a or like a Wi-Fi thing you plug into a router that just emits a signal that that inhibits beard growth. I I like this. I like this. Look, I'm going to just tell you, and and I I know because you know I don't like shaving, and this is it. I think the Dollar Shave Club is the closest you're going to get. They send you the razors, you pop them in, you shave, they send you more razors, and then you don't even worry about it. And they send they have all kinds of all kinds of stuff you can buy, like they've got like shave butter, I don't, which you know I've used now. It's kind of like shave cream, only it's it's not. It's sort of different, uh, and that's the only way I can describe it. Uh, and all this other shaving and bath stuff, they sell all kinds of stuff. But basically. I think that I think really do think that they're reaching out to you and me and people who can't stand shaving, basically just saying, you don't like to shave. You want to make this as easy as possible. Here, we send you a box. We're not even asking questions how often you do it. Just here, use this stuff and you can shave. So remember, if you go to dollarshaveclub.com slash podcast, you get a month free of shaving, which, by the way, they want to send you a month free. I, I, I should let you know that. You want to send me personally? Yes, per you personally. They 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 said specifically Michael because they really do believe that uh, that they're going to solve your shaving woes uh, by sending you shaving stuff. I still have to shave with it though, right? Yeah, that's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> really, nothing else we can do about that. All right, Dollar Shave Club. Thank you again for sponsoring the podcast. Go to dollarshaveclub.com/slash/poscast. Yankee Minute. You know, I think that this Yankee minute, we, we need to make this kind of quick because we babbled on for a very long time about uh, the NFL. So I really want to focus entirely, if, if we can. And by the way, let's, let's, let's have uh, our delightful uh, producer, Tess, play the music. And I, I really would like to focus all of our energy on Donovan Solano. I yeah. Think, I think that's really what we should do. Great idea. Because Donovan Solano is definitely, not only is he not a real person, like nobody would even invent that name. Like that would not even be a name that like somebody would use like in a fake way. Yeah, he hit a home run the other night. Yes. That's why you're bringing this up, That right? is why I'm bringing, well, and he's Donovan Solano. Um, he's 28, I believe. I looked him up because obviously I'd never heard of him because <laughs> he doesn't exist. And I looked him up and... Uh, he is 28, and he has had a handful of games in the majors. And out of nowhere, he's on the Yankees. Like someone, someone like snapped their fingers, and he became he put had a Yankee uniform on, and he was standing in the outfield or something. And he hit a home run, and it's yet another person that doesn't exist that is playing. Like the Yankees are the Yankees are the bad guy at the end of a horror movie who you think is dead, right? Uh, and then they keep coming back uh, with one last extra scary thing. They're ba- the Red Sox swept them. The Red Sox swept them in four games. Yes. And yes. it basically ended their playoff chances. They're less than 5% to make the playoffs. But they still have a chance to make the playoffs just to make us miserable. They still have a chance. They're 79 and 72. They have, they're only two and a half games out of the wild card, I think, or maybe three. Or two, I think they're two and a half out. But they, st- but they have to leap over like three other teams. So it's, it's right. probably not going to happen. I so yeah, Donovan Solano, sure, throw him on the pile. Why not? <laughs> I I I thought you were gonna say we have to talk about Gary Sanchez again. But we always talk about Gary Sanchez. I know, but now he hit two more home runs. Yes, I, and yes. I wanna just quickly, at the end of our Yankee minute, give you 
what through through his through 43 games this year yeah, yeah. give you his 162 game averages if he can, if he played a whole season the way he's played since he came up a month and a half ago do you want to hear them it's pretty I, exciting I, I do want to all right, here we go. So in a 162-game season, based on how he's hit through his first 188 plate appearances, here would be his end-of-the-year statistics. 684 plate appearances, 112 runs, 202 hits, 40 doubles, 68 home runs, 137 RBI, uh, 68 walks. Uh, his slash stats are 333, 405, 738. Yeah. His OPS is 1.143, and his OPS plus is 196. He's basically twice as good as the average Major League Baseball player. <laughs> and uh, so that's Barry Bonds, right? That's Barry, Barry Bonds, or that's like uh, that's that's Sammy Sosa in his most juiced year, whatever you want to call it. This is a 23-year-old catcher, catcher, a good defensive catcher. He has been worth, according to baseball reference, three wins above replacement in 43 games. 43 games. Which is roughly whatever he was, like an eleven win season, <laughs> which puts him at twenty three in the same category as the greatest seasons of in recent history. Yes, yeah, and I think I think when I when I watched some of that Rays uh, Yankees game where he hit the two home runs, um, and I think I told you this last time, and this was sort of you know, and I, I don't think you disagree with this, but. When you watch Gary Sanchez play, I mean, the numbers are outrageous. We, we, we went over that. But when you watch Gary Sanchez play, the one thing that comes to mind is this is not a fluke. This guy is really, really good. Yeah. And, and I mean, he's going he's gonna to be – he's going to haunt your dreams. I mean, you, 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 you <laughs> talked about this last time. But he is. He is going to be um, – I mean, you know, it's the Yankees, every single thing about the Yankees the last five years, I would even say, four or five years, has pointed to utter collapse. Like, they, they, everybody was getting old, uh, and, and a lot of that has played out exactly as you thought it would. A-Rod got old and, and obviously caused all kinds of problems. Teixeira got old. Jeter got old. All these guys couldn't play anymore. All of these things were obvious four or five years ago, and you said, okay, well, when all that happens, the Yankees are going to be terrible, which is why we've been doing this Yankee Minute all year, and they're not terrible. And now with Gary Sanchez, just just him in the middle of a lineup that is going to have a bunch of good young players on it, they're never going to be terrible again. That's it. This, yeah. this was the year. This was the year it had to happen, and they yankeed it up all year. They're sort of still in the playoff race. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but it doesn't matter. If you're a Yankee fan, uh, if you're Alan Sepinwall right now, you should be dancing in the aisles because <laughs> this is it. This is the worst it's going to get. 79 yeah. and 72 is like the worst it's going to get for like 10 years. Well, there is an interesting question for them, which is next year, Sabathia is probably gone. Right. He has an option year. They're probably not going to pick it up. To share is gone, so they're clearing like fifty million with just those two guys. They still have to pay Ellsbury, they still have to pay McCann, they still have to pay Gardner. They still they're paying Chase Headley thirteen million a year for two more years after this. They're paying Starling Castro ten million for three more years. Like and you know actually he's he hasn't been bad, but they they have barely any you know they're they're clearing a lot of room, but they also have a lot of dead money still sure. it'll be interesting to see what they do i'm I don't know who they're gonna target in free agency or through trades or whatever, but they have they still have a lot of questions on this team, like Nate Evaldi and Pineda are both arb three next year 
Adam Warren, do they make him a starter? Of course, there's a huge question about Donovan Solano. That's like probably the number one question is what do you do with Solano? Uh, but they, but like they have a bunch of, they have a bunch of possibilities and a bunch of kind of dead money. And the next year might be rocky too. But by rocky, I mean they'll win 85 games. Right. I mean, well, I just don't think, yeah, I don't think they're going to be. If Gary Sanchez, you know, I mean, he's not going to play like this, you wouldn't think. But Gary Sanchez turns into a star, as as it appears it's going to be. You've got a catcher who's going to be your number three or number four hitter. Yeah. That's such a big starting point. And they're the Yankees, and they have all this money. And look, all those guys that you mentioned, you know, that they're dead money. They're, they'll, they'll throw them out there, and they'll be fine, as long as they can surround them with really, really good young players. And, you know, the other thing we should say, and that the, I guess we should end the Yankee Minute on this, this is going to break my heart to say it, not not out of any personal animosity, but because of the Yankees. I think Brian Cashman's good at this. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've, for so long, it's been, now yeah, you know, he has all the money. He's been able to, to sort of live off of that. He's lived off of, you know, the sort of incredible longevity of some, some very, you know, great players. Um but he started over, and man, I, suddenly you look at them, and I I like them a lot more than I like some of the other young teams that everybody's supposed to be all excited about. I I look at the Yankees and go, uh, this was the year to get them. This was the year to get them. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Your Red Sox are great. You, it, it's well, for you. It'll be great because you you'll have best of both worlds. The Red Sox will be great, and the Yankees will be good enough for you to hate. Because I mean, it's. This this year was not fun. It's not fun to to hate a team because they're playing way over their heads, you know. Oh, sure it is. What are you talking about? It's wonderful. <laughs> it might be fun. I don't know. All right, let's do our. Uh, we're not even having a faux argument this week. Uh, it's more of a kind of a I guess a late season baseball discussion. Yeah. Where we're going to just talk a little bit about uh, who we think is is looking really good going in the playoffs and maybe maybe toss a, a an award or two in there so all right um, let's start with the national league because it's obvious where we're going with that this there's one question right and that's uh, will the cubs win that's the only question in the national league right pretty much i mean there's obviously there's three teams tied for the wild card which is fun it is fun uh it's always fun when that happens i think the giants and the cardinals are going to ultimately take those two slots. Why do you the, think that, though? Well, the Mets can't hit. They just have no hitting. The Mets have scored 595 runs. Yeah. They have scored fewer runs than the Atlanta Braves. They are a terrible hitting team. They weirdly hit a lot of home runs. That's yes. the only thing they can do is they have power. But they no one in that lineup gets on base, and no one hits doubles. <laughs> and they – I mean, that's, that's a pathetic number of runs to score – Ultimately, I feel like the Giants and Cardinals squeak in. The Mets also, like, they lost to ground. They have a lot of injuries. They have problems in their pitching, too. But really, to me, it's not even can the Cubs, will the Cubs win? The question to me is, will the Nationals or Dodgers beat the Cubs? That's the only question. Because I don't think any wildcard team is going to beat them. The Cubs are so dominant right now. They their win loss record based on their run differential should be 104 and 48. That's their expectation. Yeah, and but here's the here's the craziest stat I found. By if you go by WHIP, walks and hits per innings pitched, they have four of the top seven starters in the National League. 
Kendricks, Lester, Arietta, and Lackey are all in the top seven in that category, which is an incredibly important category. It's basically how many people get on base against you. And Hamill is 14th. Yeah. So every one of their starters is in the top 14 in all of the National League. And the, it's like, you know, obviously it, the same caveats always apply. Anything can happen. Short series, blah, blah, blah. They have five of the 14 best pitchers in the league and four of the seven best. And their bullpen is also really good. I think the team that you're scared of if you're the Cubs is the Dodgers, um, who are a little bit hot right now hitting-wise. Also, you know, Kershaw and Rich Hill are huge question marks. But if, they're, if they turn into exclamation points, then that's pretty great. And Andrew Tolles, who came up a month and a half ago, has a... You know, he's only played 40 games. He has a 950 OPS. Like he's given their lineup a little bit of a jolt. To me, I don't. I don't think they fear the Nationals. I think maybe they might fear the Dodgers because if Kershaw shuts you down in Game One, then the whole thing, you know, go, the whole thing is a coin flip. I don't know. What do you think? Well, no. I, I first of all, I agree 100. percent There was one other thing about the Cubs that you didn't mention, and something that doesn't get mentioned enough about the Cubs, and you really sort of specifically uh, detailed it when you talked about. Uh, how good their whip is, their defense is fantastic. It's great. It's fantastic. They're probably the best defensive team, certainly in the league, maybe in baseball, which kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody really saw. I mean, I think everybody was so so befuddled by Kyle Schwarber last year that everybody kind of just assumed that they're not a good defensive team. But I mean, by all the by all the numbers, by all the ratings. I mean, I'll just give you one. Uh, my one of my favorites is is the uh, John Dewan's teams run team runs saved, uh, where he essentially uses uh, they go play by play throughout the whole year and essentially estimate how many runs uh, above average a defense saves. Uh, the San Francisco Giants are second in the National League with forty seven defensive runs saved, which is amazing. That's a that's an incredibly great number. The Cubs have saved ninety runs, double, basically double. With, wow. the, with the Giants, they're they're deep. That's why their whip is so good. I mean, those pitchers are great, but nothing, nothing gets through that defense. And I think that's going to be the difference maker. I, I think the Dodgers are too. Kershaw is a is a big time X factor, uh, obviously, and and one of the big issues uh, with Kershaw uh, is obviously he's not been very good in the playoffs. And I know that's <laughs> fluky and weird, but. It is fluky and weird, and and I was there for a couple of those games where you're just like, what the heck is going on here? So that's that they're they're counting on him, but the Dodgers make a ton of mistakes, and they're just they're just not sound. They're not that sound a team, and the Nationals, I think, certainly could put something on, but for the Nationals to to make a run, they really need like somebody like Bryce Harper to just go nuts. Yeah. And he doesn't, that, that, he doesn't seem weirdest, like he's going to do that. That is the weirdest storyline of the baseball season, very quietly, yeah. is how, how you go from an, like an all-time season right. uh, when you're whatever he is, you know, 8, 19 years old. <laughs> <laughs> how do you go from that to like the weird mediocrity of this year? And I know there's been a lot of stuff. He's been hurt. He's been playing through injuries, whatever. But God, I just you just kept all year. You kept waiting for him to become Bryce Harper again, and he just just never happened. No, and I think I do think he's hurt. I do think his shoulder is got to be right. It's it's got, just, there's no other explanation other than other than you know he was weirdly mediocre two years ago and three years. You know what I mean? It's like last year it felt like okay, well Bryce Harper has arrived, 
uh, after a you know a period of time where it was like you know he would have incredible months and then he would have two or three months of sort of mediocrity because he was hurt and knocked out and of the games and all that. But it is it is an incredibly weird story. I think everybody looked to to Harper and Trout as sort of this mantle maze type of thing, like you know, and and Trout is maze. I mean, Trout doesn't stop ever being great. Um, yeah. But but Bryce Harper has been mediocre you still get the feeling that it's going to happen at some point with him. So it would not surprise me to him go to series and have sort of a David Ortiz, big poppy, like, you know, six home run series and sort of beat the Cubs all by himself. He's capable of doing that. Sure. But it's again, it's to me, it's like Kershaw. It's a long shot. It's it's you're basically (laughs) counting on one guy. I think the Cubs are 20% better than anybody else in baseball. Now, yeah, that's you, probably right. You know what I mean. So you could still lose when you're like that, but man, that they're boy, are they good? There's the Cubs are so <laughs> good, and the American League. So you jump to the American League, and I think the American League is completely the opposite. I have absolutely no idea who's going to win the American League. It is it is as wide open. I think all five teams, whoever the five up end up being, um, they're like equal. They're like it's not just a matter of oh, the wild card team could win. I don't think the wild card team is necessarily worse than the best team. I don't know, you know, especially with the Indians who I thought were in, in some way separating themselves with that pitching staff, them getting hammered with injuries has been yeah. devastating. Um, I think the Rangers are really, really good. Uh, I wrote the other day about the Red Sox, who I think, you know, that lineup is wonderful. But, man, these teams are all not just flawed, but pretty significantly flawed. Yeah, they have massive flaws. I think the Blue Jays and the Astros yeah. are going to be the wild card teams. The Ast- the, right now, it's, you would, the, the betting money would be on the Orioles or the Tigers, who are right, both, right. The, uh, you know, the, they look good. They have, the, they have better odds right at this exact moment. The Astros are a game out of the wild card. But the big thing is the Astros, it's now a 10-game season. The Astros have seven out of their last 10 against the Angels. And the only game that the, the only team they play besides the Angels is the Mariners at home. The yeah, Mariners yeah. are up and down. Um, and I, I feel like the Astros might squeak in. And if the Astros squeak in, the Astros could beat anybody. I mean, they really could. No they, question. They, can, they, they, have a, they have the tools to beat any of these teams. That The Red Sox, who are playing fantastic baseball in September and have by far, by 81 runs, the best run differential in the American League, they, I mean, they, they're playing amazing. Clay Buckles threw seven innings and gave up three hits last night against the Orioles. Is that going to happen in the playoffs? Probably not. Uh, you know, the Indians have all these – their two best pitchers are hurt. Yeah. The Rangers have the best record in the league. Their run differential is plus nine. I know. They're basically a 500 team except they're 27 games over 500 or whatever, you know, 13 and a half games over 500 is the way you technically say that. No, it's 27. That's just wrong. I don't, I'm not doing that. I agree. Um, but they, I mean, they, you know, they, on paper, they're no better than the Tigers. The Tigers are plus eight. That's like right. they, it's a, so the, it's, I've never, I can't ever remember a league having no clear favorite in the way that this league currently has no clear favorite. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'll tell you what, you, you talked about uh, sort of the, the big under, uh, under sort of weird story, undertold story in baseball was, was uh, Bryce Harper. What about Dallas Keuchel? Yeah. What, what the heck happened there? Don't know. 
really don't know. It's very weird. And, and you know, because if, because if Dallas Keuchel is pitching, first of all, they're in the playoffs now. They're guaranteed, you know, I mean, if, if Dallas yeah. Keuchel had been, you know, 80% of what he was last year, they're, they're, you know, they're certainly five or six games better than they are right now. And then they become super scary in the playoffs. And maybe, maybe again, like Bryce Harper, maybe Dallas Keuchel figures it out in the playoffs. I mean, one theory I heard about him is that, he really worked out so hard because he was so determined to show everybody that last year was for real that he overworked himself. I mean, that's one of the theories I've heard, huh. um, which I think is very interesting. He also could be hurt. Uh, but to me, he's a pivotal, pivotal player in in the postseason in this if especially I mean, if, assuming the Astros get in, because that that was the guy you wanted on the mound for game seven last year. I mean, that was he was he was like as good you know he was he was the Cy Young winner I mean he was the best guy in baseball best guy in the league for sure um, and he's been I mean not just bad but I mean really terrible this year yeah and he, you know he was never the he wasn't ever Roger Clemens he was no, never he blew no. people away he doesn't throw ninety eight he was never like Justin Verlander or whatever. He just had a, a great mix of pitches. He well, hit the spot, the sink, the sink, on his sink and the, yeah, the, like he just and and it's it might be just one of those things where like when you're a really finely tuned sort of like control machine that you're just going to have years like this. Like it's like you know Greg Maddox, uh, like is the is the best example of a guy who somehow never had any of the. He just like pitched to exactly the pinpoint right. spot right. where he pitched. And people who don't like the Braves would point out that he was also given about 11 extra inches on both sides of the plate when he pitched. But most guys who were like that are going to have years where they're just sort of up and down because if something's a tiny bit off, like there's no margin for error. It's with kind of the, the Mark Burley theory. So yeah, exactly. Burley's really great one year, one mediocre. I don't know. I mean, his, his, he, he never threw hard, but his his stuff, I mean, as far as the drop on his pitches was like – you know, I remember fan graphs writing of just basically being off the charts. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if something's wrong or not, but to me, he's a pivotal fa uh, person. Uh, I also want to take one second. I actually wanted to make this a um, a, a very brief part of the podcast weekly, sort of like with its own music. I don't know if Tess has music for this, uh, but here it's it's just a question we ask every week, and that is, um, is 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 Adrian Beltre awesome or what? <laughs> And then you just say yes, and that's it. And you move on because okay, so let's do it. So the question on the table is just: This is the is Adrian Beltre awesome section? Yes. Uh, go ahead and, and pose the question. Okay, here's the question: So is okay. Adrian Beltre awesome? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's it. I just want to get that done. God, I love that guy. I just <laughs> love that guy. He's the best. He is the best, and he's having an incredible year. He's really the reason I wanted to have like a little award talk, just because. He's not going to win the MVP. He never wins the MVP, but he could be the MVP. I mean, you know what I mean? Yep. I mean he's, he's having the kind of year. I mean, it's, it's, his advanced numbers are not quite there because, you know, his on base is not as, as high. But he is having a year that you would look back on and go, yeah, that guy was about as good as anybody. It's great. He's 37, 38 years old, and he's still so great. Yeah, and by the way, he's going to pass 3,000 hits next year. He's going to pass 600 doubles next year. He's going to pass 450 home runs next year. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Everyone needs to just get on board with that. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 at, at this point, I don't even want to have that argument anymore. Like, yeah. I'm still willing to argue about Jim Tomey or somebody like that. 
But I'm not I'm not willing to argue about Adrian Beltre. Uh, Beltre is deadlocked, no doubt. Derek Jeter like Hall of Famer. That's it. Yep. Just that the, the end of discussion. All right, real quick. American League MVP for you is well, Mike Trout's the MVP. Yeah. Um, he won't win the MVP. He'll finish second again because uh, there's no justice in on earth. Um, probably Mookie Betts is going to – I would say it's, it's bet To me, it's Betts or Altuve. Yeah. And, you know, the, if it's really funny. It's like if the Astros sneak into the playoffs, Altuve chances to win will go up by like 58%, <laughs> which it shouldn't matter at all. Um but I think given everything, given all of the – I mean, his numbers are impeccable, obviously. Like, he's a he's great defensively. He's a nine-win player this year. He's second in the league in war uh, behind Trout. Um, he – you know, what, do you, what else do you want? He has 116 runs, 200 hits, 40 doubles, 30 homers, 100 RBI, 25 stolen bases. He has a 900 OPS. He's great defensively. The team's going to make the playoffs. I feel like he's going to win. I feel like no one will be able to really argue – that he shouldn't win, except for the fact that Mike Trout is better in every respect. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it's sort of like I, I wrote this the other day. I was talking about why why Tim Tebow is so much more famous than Mike Trout, and and it was talking about basically there are a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I think is Trout bores us because he's so good every day, and that, yeah. that excellence is kind of boring. But basically, what I said was there's nothing to really argue about with trout like with t-ball you there's an endless number of arguments you can have but with trout it's sort of like yeah what do you think yeah, he's a great player and then the conversation moves on and there's no real point to argue anything and somebody made the point oh well you can argue about him with the mvp and and i said no that's not true the only argument you can make about the mvp is should mike trout win the mvp because he's the best player or should somebody else win it, even though Mike Trout is the best player? That's, yeah. really, that's the only argument there is. The only argument you can make is, yeah, I don't think Mike Trout should win, even though he's the best player. That's how you have to start. So right. assuming that he's not going to win, even though he's the best player, I actually think it's going to be Mookie Betts. I, I think, and and it should be. In my, in my view, Altuve is awesome. I mean, he's so great. Josh Donaldson is so great. I mean, it's not like... Not like any of these guys don't deserve MVP votes. They, you know, you can make an argument for any of them. But, man, Mookie Betts. I mean, I, I know. I mean, he's got to already be up there in your favorite Red Sox players all time. Yeah, he pretty much is. He was the first Red Sox jersey I bought my son was a Mookie Betts <laughs> jersey. Um, it's really interesting, though, when you look at him. Hey, he and Altuve um, – have frighteningly similar numbers. It's very interesting. Like they're, and they're both like small dudes, you know, like that's, I kind of like that. They're both not gigantic monsters. Um, they have the same exact numbers of hits, doubles and triples right now. They're very, they're very close in walks. Oh, tube has got 12 more walks and Betts has 12 more strikeouts. Their slugging percentages, Mookie Betts 542, Jose Altuve 541. I mean, it's very, it's very, very, very similar. And they steal the same number of bases, right? Steal the same number of bases. Yeah. It's 25 and 27. Altuve has been caught a lot more. But there's an outside chance that if Mookie Betts really wants to just seal the deal, he'll steal five more bases in the last <laughs> 10 games and become a 30-30 guy because that's the kind of thing that people care about. But I, I feel like ultimately he's your MVP. I think so, too. What about I, I, National League? Uh, I, I think it's Chris Bryant, and I'm not sure it's really close. I mean, obviously, if you want to start talking pitching, we can throw pitchers in there. And, and But I don't 
I don't. It's not that I don't think pitchers should be up for the MVP. I don't really have a strong opinion about it. Uh, I just don't think there's any point in arguing that a pitcher is more valuable than a hitter or, or vice versa. I just think they, they're so different. To me, it's like arguing should a left tackle or a, or a linebacker be the MVP. I mean, it's like, well, they both do what they do. Awesome. So um, yeah. I think Chris Bryant is amazing. I was actually having a real interesting conversation with a baseball guy about whether or not you would want the next five years of Chris Bryant or Mike Trout. Um, which is really interesting because they're about the same age, almost exactly the same age, in fact. Uh, the feeling of the scout was that Trout, Trout's more beat up because he's played a lot more, uh, so he's older than his age. Um, right. And he would take Bryant, which I think I think it's really close. They're both incredible. So I think Chris Bryant's your, your MVP. What about you? Yeah, I mean, there's not really a good argument for anybody else. Um, other than a pitcher. Other than a pitcher. I mean, the, there is, you know, Nolan Arenado right, a great is, is Mike Trout, junior yes in that he plays in a place that no one cares about on a team that no one cares about puts up ridiculous numbers every year and no one cares he's a great defender i mean just a, a great defender best defensive third baseman in baseball except for like machado maybe or beltray i guess but like and a phenomenal defender oh, yeah. I mean, just like this guy if he's one of those guys where it's really true it's a it's cliche to say but if he were playing in Boston or New oh, York yeah. or Philadelphia, even or Chicago, he'd be the. I mean, he'd be the most one of the most celebrated players in the game. As it stands, no one can pick him out of lineup, and it's really sad because if you watch him play, I love watching Rockies games. I get to watch a lot of Rockies games out here on the West Coast, and he's so amazing. This guy, he I mean, he's he's, he's absurd. Well, His number ridiculous. He's so great, and he also has the other disadvantage of playing in in Coors Field where nobody really counts your numbers. Nobody oh, it's, 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 seriously, yeah. Yeah, everybody sort of views it as a big illusion. Um, but it isn't, and, and things have changed in Colorado. But it doesn't matter because it's exactly your point. To watch Nolan Arenado play, which you you and four other people are the only people who watch Rockies games, so, so that's <laughs> a negative. Uh, you watch Rockies game, you don't question how great a player he is. I would yeah. like to throw one more person out there before we end because – he just deserves he just deserves this. Freddie Freeman is yeah. having a ridiculous season. Yeah. Not only does nobody care, nobody should care because it's for that Atlanta team that is a disaster. But I I mean there's almost something I almost want to give him like a medal of honor. Like there's something almost courageous about Freddie Freeman having the year he's having for that disaster of a team. Yeah, it's really true. He's uh, he's 10th in the league, in both leagues, in, in wins above replacement for a team that never wins anything. <laughs> I mean, imagine how bad the Braves would be if they didn't have Freddie Freeman. I mean, they, I mean it's, uh, it's pretty intense uh, what he's doing. It's pretty remarkable. It's a little bit like there's, there's like always some team in football where the team stinks, but the defense decides like we're gonna set the all-time record for fewest points allowed in a season and we don't even care if we win anymore you know like where it's just like we don't care we know we stink but we're gonna just do our thing that's what freddie freeman has done this year is like is just put on a, a put a, like put up wonderful numbers for the worst team in baseball for the worst team in baseball i i just give the guy all kinds of credit I, it's just that he's having a fantastic year and and he's freddie freeman and nobody's ever really he's always sort of been kind of blandly thought of anyway yeah uh, even when the Braves weren't terrible like they are now um 
but he's having a great year. Just just yeah. kudos to Freddie Freeman. All right. Well, we solved no none of the world's problems again. <laughs> That's our that is the goal of the podcast, right? The stated goal is to never solve anything. Never solve anything. Well, we did that. So thanks for uh, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. <laughs>